Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Steve Pardo for Signs of the Sojourner. Signs of the Sojourner is a narrative deck-building card game about communication, and Steve will talk about that in just a bit. This is easily one of my favorite soundtracks of 2020, hands down, and one I know I'll return to for years to come. I love this soundtrack. It was such a pleasure to talk with Steve about his music, and he starts off talking about the game. So the game is, I mean, when I first heard about when they contacted me and I saw the art and, and sort of read the the um, the pair, you know, the one pager of the, the story and the premise, I was like, I have to work on this game. Uh, so I tried, you know, most pitch. I mean, of course, I'm enthusiastic about any game, but sure. Um, you know, any any anyone that that approaches, uh, you know. I'm, I'm excited that first of all that they would approach me but for these guys specifically and what they're trying to do I was like I have to work on this so the game in, a, in and of itself um, there's two kind of two big things to talk about and um, there's the story the mechanic and and the game mechanic so and they're kind of in, intertwined um, so the story it's kind of a coming of age story um, at the beginning this isn't a spoiler um, you find out that your mom like you are the main character, you're you know the playable mm-hmm. character. Uh, you find out that your mom has died relatively recently in the game, which is in and of itself a you know kind of somber way to start, but um, it sets the tone for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're in charge of like you end up becoming in charge of her general store in your hometown, uh, and so you're setting out upon the world to collect items to sell in the shop in order to keep the store running, um, and so you collect those items by. Well, this is sort of like the the tagline of the game uh, is that, you know, you're communicating with others in the world by playing this card game. Um, So the card game is a it's a as opposed to other traditional like competitive card games. It's more co-op. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. So so even it's a single player game, but uh, you're you're effectively in a co-op game with a computer, with the with the other character, your opponent, Um, because a successful match hints to your opponent that you want to communicate with them. Uh, so if a given match is successful, they'll sort of like tell you either information about themselves. They'll essentially talk to you. Okay. Um, it's like the towns, other towns that you haven't been to yet, um, roads that lead to those towns, they unlock missions, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, uh, as opposed to like you defeat them and they lose and they're disqualified or they, you know, you, you take yeah. loot from them. So... Uh, it's definitely a, a more friendly approach to a card game. Um, so you go around the world meeting new people, traveling to different towns, playing this game, gathering items, explore, you know, that kind of thing. But the real beauty of this, uh, the kind of the hook for me, was at the end of every match, uh, there's this mechanic where you, whether you win or lose, you have to trade one of your cards in your deck with one of theirs. Oh. Um, yeah, so you don't have a choice. You have to. Uh, of course, there are some times when they'll have the same card as you. So if you like don't want to, trade cards you can just sort of take the one that you already have, that they they have that you already have and just sure. even swap but most of the time you're getting a new card okay. um the card in the card game in and of itself is quite simple you're just like matching shapes 
Um, but at the beginning of the game, everyone has the same set of cards. So a lot of these conversations are successful because you know these people. They have the same set of cards. You're winning. And so, you know, you're feeling pretty good about the game. And if the game feels kind of easy. Um, but as you travel art out farther away from your home, you're introduced to new shapes that you've never seen before that you don't have in your hand. Yeah. So it's a lot harder to communicate with these people. Huh. Um, but since you're trading cards as you play, regardless of whether you win or lose, you begin to sort of uh, be able to communicate with some of these outsiders with these new cards. So you have you sort of unlock the ability to communicate successfully with these players, regardless of if you win or lose. So Okay. So let's say you collect a bunch of these new shapes. This is kind of the hook. And you return home. What you know, you've collected all these new shapes. What do you think is gonna happen, right? Like you can't you, communicate with your friends at home. So yeah, exactly. So it's sort of like a, you know, in a way, like a po- the game mechanic in and of itself is like a poem. You know, yeah, like I, I've never experienced anything like this. It's super profound. At least it was for me. Huh. Um, and it and it hits like the usually it's like a story beat that hits you or something emotional that happens in the game tonally. But for me, it was like this game mechanic hits you. Huh. Um, so, yeah. so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of like spoiling <laughs> for anyone that hasn't played the game. <laughs> That's sort of like, I mean, I mean, the trailer sort of hinted that, so it's not a huge yeah. spoiler. And, the, and all the reviews say it too, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're good. You're good. And then, of course, then you, there's multiple playthroughs, so you can decide, oh, I, I want to, you know, maintain a lot of my original shapes, or I want to go farther than I have before and know that I'm going to have some failed communication with some of my friends back at home. Wow. Um, I haven't experienced any other game that sort of pulls at you like this. Um, right. You know, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a complicated... You know, obviously, I've been talking about it for a while now, so it's a complicated thing to to um, to explain to somebody. Yeah. Um, but when you're just playing the game, you're just like, oh, it's a cool game with a cool story and a and a cool card game mechanic. Um, and then it, this thing just hits you. It's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, so then, talk to me about how you decided to write the music you wrote. I mean, thankfully, they they had a lot of the artistic and tonal. You know what they what they were looking for tonally already sort of established. Like the art style, they were able to share with me near completed uh, environments and characters, along with uh, oh, wow, okay, yeah, yeah. Which is um, and the game was still like you know had another year of production. They just decided this is the most important. Like we like the, the mechanic is cool, but we want the art style um, and the story to be you know kind of in a in a in a dem- demonstrable state as soon as possible so that they can show it to press, you know, build excitement. Because that's a big part of the selling, in, in my opinion, the big part of the selling point of this game is just how beautiful the art is. And uh, so that was, a, they showed me the the concept art and shared with me some of the, the backstory of these characters and the locations. And Diala, the lead designer, shared with me, I asked her, of course, like, 
hey, send me some of your favorite music or stuff that you've listened to as you're developing the game. <laughs> Neat. And so she shared with me this awesome Spotify playlist. And sure enough, it's like some of my favorite music. That, oh, like, cool. I'm, yeah, like Andrew Bird and, um, you know, uh, Sufjan and a bunch of African yeah. music. And it was cool. just like, okay, we're on the same page. This is great. <laughs> so the music is all town music, right? Okay, um, yeah. Because that's the majority of the game is that you're, you're hopping between different towns. So I didn't want it to feel too out there. Uh, the art style can feel out there at times, and it's def- it definitely is a is, is stylized, you know, hand-drawn kind of tone. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, But I didn't want the music to feel too alien, um, yeah. even though it's, you know, whether or not this is Earth isn't something they determine in, in the story. But, like, I didn't want it to feel too Mars. I wanted it to feel yeah. like Earth in a way, just like a take, like Middle Earth is Earth, right? So it uses a lot of folk instruments, um, it uses, uh, it borrows from genres that are mostly acoustic genres and folk genres. Um, I'm a jazz musician. I always have been. So there's some jazz feeling mm-hmm. sounds in there. I'm a fan of indie rock. Uh, one of their, their primary, uh, references was African folk music. So okay. there's a few bands, uh, namely Omu uh, Sangare. <laughs> The, the genre that, that she does is called Wasalu. Um, okay. So she's from Mali, and it's primarily, it's a really interesting subgenre, but she owns it. Um, <laughs> yeah, she totally like t- took over. Uh, she, be- she kind of became pretty famous. But, uh, you know, the, the music is very, you know, female vocal based, lots of call and response. Um, but it has folk instruments that we, you know, use here in America, like fiddle and um, percussion and modern, you know, more modern takes on it are like have electric bass and electric guitar. But it's it's rooted in this African folk you know, call and response mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And she's just, her vocal performance on like literally everything is like heavenly. It's incredible. Like, she is a goddess. She's incredible. <laughs> So, uh, there was about 10 years ago an album by Bela Fleck called Throw Your Heart Down. It was actually turned, it was actually a documentary first. And then, yep. Yeah. So, me and my wife, this is, this is right when around when it came out. Like, Bela Fleck is a banjoist, just so in case someone doesn't know. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. As, uh, you know, known, known via Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones. Mm -hmm. Um, and I live in Nashville, so I, I know some of these guys now, which is pretty cool. Uh, little name drop. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, the banjo in and of itself is is derived from Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, it was brought over by uh, the slaves, you know, uh, hundreds of years ago and sort of evolved into what we now know as the banjo. Um, so that's a big part of most of the soundtrack. Um, but then I you know, can't not be myself. So it has jazz in it. It's got some, it's influenced by, 
you know, bands not, or, you know, chamber groups not unlike Y Music and Eighth Blackbird. Uh, mm-hmm. Sufjan Stevens was a big influence on a lot of these tracks. Uh, so it, it kind of like definitely crosses a lot of boundaries stylistically and, and genre wise. is a you know a, a bit of synthesis but it's mostly acoustic instruments yeah like the game where you're traveling a lot of locations I just I wanted to include have as have as much you know color that I could throw in, in into folk music that I that I either myself could play or I knew someone that could play it you know <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> yeah. I mean you There's, did play tons of the instruments uh yeah that was actually that was one of those things that I um, early on, I, I, I just decided I didn't want to use samples yeah. on, on it. So there's no samples. It's all either performed by myself or performed by some of my incredibly talented friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I really like about it is that it, it challenges the whole notion of um, – and, and there's so many good examples of this in music history in general, but we're always taught major music sounds happy and minor music yeah. sounds sad. And right. this challenges all of that to me because many of these tunes are in a minor mode, if not all of them. I, I, I would have to give a solid listen through for sure, but uh, it's it's not sad music. It's not even um, – it, there's nothing down about it. There's motion in it and mm-hmm. uh, uh, just – you know what I mean? There's this this freedom and joy in it, even though it's in this minor mode. And I love how it it challenges that notion. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, great uh, analysis, Emily. That's uh, <laughs> incredible that you <laughs> that you picked that up. Every yeah. song is in, or at least rooted in E flat minor. Oh, okay, um, okay. So that was that's something we do every once in a while, where we'll just pick a key and try to write every song into it because that that helps. Sound designers and you know, Skew Sound is this was a Skew Sound project. So Skew Sound is a is a team of um, myself and and uh, and Chris Wilson are we're the composers and there's two sound designers. So um, we work in th- in this case it was just myself doing music and Nick Coleman on sound. Okay. Um, and so early on we just decided okay we're going to do everything E flat minor so that that freed him to. Um, you know, make sounds that are in sure. that key or derive from that key. So mm-hmm. every sound in the, every, the game that has a tonal um, quality to it is is uh, tries to surround you know E flat minor. And cool. I'm an I'm a I'm a huge fan of D flat major and all of its respective modes. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just like warm and it's just like a cushion. I don't know if you feel that way. But. Well, do you have something against C sharp or is it just got to be D flat? <laughs> I'm Emily, you're embarrassing yourself. I know, I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a flat key kind of gal myself, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I like E. I have nothing against E major. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> There's also something. So, I, you know, I tend to, so, soundtracks like this, I tend to write, a, I start with guitar. Um, so there's something really, yeah. uh, you know, kind of freeing about or just like you know changing things up where i turn down tune tune down every string a half step because okay. um, it feels like it's a new instrument in a yep. way so it, it can inspire 
some of the tracks have like you know just wild tunings because it's the only way I could play something. Um, <laughs> in fact, I, I didn't I haven't said this yet, but we we did play some of these tracks live. I um, wondered actually. I wondered about because you can tell it's not quantized to the beat like digitally. No, no, every no. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I'm sorry. That's true. But uh, no, what I meant was um, we performed it live, like in a in a as a concert. Like oh, 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 a, oh, 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 oh. I see. I yeah, yeah, yeah. We played it like in front of an audience. Like neat. Uh, and we had more gigs lined up, but then COVID happened, and then yeah, so oh, yeah. No, nah, it's yeah. okay. We'll, we'll pick it back up whenever things go back to normal. Sure. Um, but anyway, let me go back to your original. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a that was a challenge when when we decided E flat minor, and there was some locations that had a a more up you know uh, friendly like not a lot of conflict in its backstory, mm-hmm. um, or you know something that was a little bit more you know warm and supposed to make you feel good. Like there's this one there's one town, Bukumburo, which has this really friendly uh, character named Matilde. And she is su- super quirky and, you know, is uh, kind of crunchy and reads tea leaves. You know, she's like yeah. a fortune teller, but she like and she does like meditation, but she's smiley and friendly. And she's like the warmest um, kind of personality that you one of the warmest that you'd meet in the game. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to write that song in minor. So instead of E flat minor, I sort of rooted it in A flat seven nice uh so but then i brought it back to e flat minor in like the bridge and other areas but like mm-hmm. it sort of was you know uh breaking some of the rules um but of course like modal music <laughs> right it's mo- yep. i mean there, there's barely any chords in the soundtrack that are outside of d flat major wow. uh, e flat minor sorry for all the you know uh <laughs> theory nerds out there <laughs> you're hearing me Flat seven was a reasonable concession. D flat major felt a little too happy, but like you know, something with a, a dominant seven bluesy kind of feel felt right. So it's a little more quirky, a little more uh, you know, kind of kind of like a groove, a funky groove yeah. uh, for that one. Which which you know, so again, like the the entire game is sort of this melancholy feeling because you learn early on that your mother mm. has passed. Right. So I didn't want to let go of that at any point. Yeah. Um, so, so it always kind of comes back to that E flat minor, but um, but depending on the circumstance, it's like how much I would play that up. I think it's Romina. That's essentially a major key song. It's like it's very warm and major. Kind of like always go back to E flat minor because there's either something troubling in 
uh, the world in and of itself. Like there's a drought or there's floods mm. um, or or it's just something reminds you of your mother and how she's passed. So, I see. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned that you started with guitar and uh, one of the textures that I love that is a fairly common thread through this soundtrack is um, kind of plucked sounds or how you're yeah. you're deadening your guitar strings while you're playing. Talk to me about that because I, I loved that uh, element to this music. Yeah, I'm, that I think... Um, so I'm using a lot of different instruments to sort of achieve that. Yeah, uh, definitely. Because I, one, one of the things I didn't want and this is, you know, every game composer will say this. They don't want people to turn off the audio. Right. <laughs> and put their own soundtrack on in right. its stead, you know, <laughs> or turn yeah. it off. And and, if, and we do have that setting in uh, in the options that for, mm -hmm. you can turn down the music all the way to zero. And no composer wants their players right. to, to do that. So um, this game, even though it's very calm and you know it's slow, slower paced, and that you're reading a lot, I didn't want the music to be static or um, kind of this, uh, you know, kind of every song is slow or moody. Yeah, some or some are or something. Yeah, yeah. But um, I so I wanted to have something rhythmically driving that w was not drums. Right. Uh, there, of course, there are some uh, tracks that that have drums. Mm -hmm. Um. And I didn't want to have like spiccato strings or something. You know, this is not like epic orc time. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is not that game. But uh, so the, you know, the muted uh, acoustic guitar, muted banjo, muted mandolin kind of sounds. I have a charango. Um, nice. There's a, I, I do a lot of pizzicato, muted pizzicato violin. Uh, that sort of achieves a, a similar sound to, um, you know, a, uh, a guitar or a mandolin mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm using those in it in in place of kind of like a percussion instrument or or a drum uh, to achieve that motion. Usually you're in a town that has a, a heartbeat and oh. uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Not not yeah. literally a heartbeat. <laughs> a rhythm to it or yeah. Yeah, like like there's 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 people walking the streets or there's shops that are open, it's during the daytime. Yeah. Um so so yeah, that the those those rhythm section instruments uh, are sort of that propulsion, uh, sort of serving as that ostinato groove that's um, so that, you know, you're kind of always feeling on your toes a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I just didn't want to use the same instrument for every... Again, it kind of goes back to every location has its own unique flavor. Yeah. Um, so, you know, depending on sort of the... Lo like, you know, whether or not you're closer to home or farther away, um, those instruments will shift. So the farther away you go, I might use a more alien-sounding instrument. Uh, I have this... Charango mandolin hybrid thing. That okay. Sounds, it actually sounds pretty awful. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you just detune it and put some reverb on it and it sounds amazing, right? Like anything. <laughs> so, uh, that like, you hear that instrument much more as you venture farther out, you know. And it's not okay. for any... Again, like, we're not hinting at anything ethnically. And I, I definitely don't want to make 
you know, the listeners feel like, yeah, because that that's that's a criticism people have against the likes of even John Williams. You know, he's he gets called out on that um, yep. yeah. for using like, I don't know, at Middle Eastern instruments if they're like in a desert or something. It's like, that's yeah. not cool, you know, so um, I mean, I, I understand like you have to you have to. I have I have uh, all the compassion in the world for John Williams in that case because it's, oh, yeah. you're you're trying to signal that you're in a a, a world outside of the norm and exactly. because most of the audience is Western you know yep. there's a whole article on that and I'm not sure I even agree with it but it's yeah. it's fascinating. First of all, you can find it on, you know, Bandcamp, iTunes, um, Spotify, all the places. Um, and on Bandcamp, which is one of the reasons I love Bandcamp, is because if you choose, you can put notes in and you can mm-hmm. list credits. So you list all of the wonderful people who performed. Um, uh, I love that yeah. Jeremiah played. That's fantastic. Jeremiah Barkas friend on the cello. Of, friend from, of the show, yeah. <laughs> from the, Friend of the show from Videri String uh, Quartet. But but also, um, I bring it up because you didn't list all of the things that you played. You just say, I played everything except what these people play. And so I want to hear more about what you did play. I'm pretty sure you played some trumpet in there at one point. Yeah, um, this is why I didn't want to list those things. Because it's so long, I'm sure. But but you got. <laughs> well, it. no. What I mean is, I didn't want to reveal that it was me playing the trumpet. But <laughs> I I digress. Uh, so yes, I do play the. Tr- I, I I can hold a trumpet and blow notes through it. You know, Melodyne is my friend in that case. I will not, I will not hide the fact that uh, I did some tricks to make stuff sound in tune. Um, <laughs> at least with the trumpet, I did. But like, yeah, there's a lot of. I love playing a bass clarinet. I'm a saxophone player primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, tenor, alto, uh, and then bass clarinet, regular clarinet, um, regular old B flat clarinet makes its uh, appearance a few times. I love the sound of the clarinet. Oh, it's so, um, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, I'm a huge fan of, um, there's this band from a, a while back, uh, Jaga Jazzist. They do kind of do like electronic music um, in the style of Tortoise or, you know, uh, um, let's see, I don't even know, like Bjork. Like, okay. uh, but very, very experimental and interesting. Uh, and they use bass clarinet all over the place. Hanne Huckelberg is a Norwegian singer-songwriter who's still making great music, um, who used bass clarinet on some of my favorite tracks uh, a while back. So, nice. so even from like an early age, I was always like, I love freaking bass clarinet. It's so good. Yeah. So it doesn't make nearly as as much of an appearance on this soundtrack as I'd like because I, if I had a choice, I'd play it on everything. Thank you. 
most of the guitar I'm playing, except for there's a few tracks in there where the incredibly talented Mike Baguette, Mike Baguetta, um, came into the studio and he just laid down um, as much material as he was willing to give, and that's plastered all over the place. When nice. like wherever I and it actually inspired the intro to Anka. That was not originally oh, planned. Neat. Okay. Yeah, that's that's like all him. He just like. In his multiple playthroughs and experimentations, he just played those four chords. Wow. And I thought, yeah, I was like, all right, that's the intro. That's awesome. Huh. And so then I wrote the, the horn intro um, after the fact, after I sort of built that into the track. Again, great yeah. ear, Emily. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't sure if it was six and five or if you're thinking of it in eleven. I uh, I always divide it personally, but yeah. I think I think when we played that song live, everyone kind of had their own way of feeling it. So sure, yeah. <laughs> Play. I think there's a lot of accordion on that, and there's uh, electric bass. I'm playing uh, a drum set, which I'm not a drummer, but I love playing drums. Like it's kind of like most people when they pick up rock band uh, drums, they're just like, "Oh, this is the best one to play." Um, that's how I feel about the literal drum set, and I know I'm not good at it, but I try anyway. You know. Nice. Um, and then my, I play a little flute, but my wife is like an all-star classical flute player. So I nice. literally have her playing on every soundtrack that I do. Okay. Um, yeah. So she's she's playing most of the flute, but I, I'm, I'm playing some flute. I play a little violin. Again, I'm not a violinist. We have a real violinist covering the real parts. Yeah. Um, Liz Estes, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure there's other instruments in there. But um, yeah, but my main, my main bag of tricks is woodwinds. So I... You know, if you're if you're gonna hire me for for a for a soundtrack, you're probably gonna get some saxophone. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and saxophonists uh, are well known as being known to double on instruments. I mean, when you, if you go to college as a saxophonist, it's pretty likely you're gonna have to also study clarinet and flute. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's not the case with other woodwind players. So did mm. you learn those instruments? And you said you, you let your wife play the flute, but did you mostly learn clarinet and stuff when you were in college and you've just held on to that love and, and played it that way? Uh, it, it Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I It was one of those awesome things about the University of Miami specifically where they really cared about that and they wanted everyone to be a doubling, um, functionally doubling uh, woodwind player so that mm-hmm. you could, you know, a lot of the gigs at that time, at least in Miami, were... Um, musicals and shows that those kinds of things like live pit orchestra positions um so they definitely made a case for all the saxophone students to learn those instruments um and then i met amy and i kind of stopped 
playing the flute because I'm Your like, wife. Well, have, yeah, yeah, my wife. So I'm like, she's an incredible, like I said before, an incredible flute player. <laughs> um, and I'm like, well, I don't have to figure out the flute anymore. She's got it covered. <laughs> So, uh, but, but I still, I, she doesn't like to, like, there, there are some flute sounds, uh, or flute, like, aesthetics, Mm -hmm. um, that are more ambient or more folksy or jazzy, what have you, Mm -hmm. um, that she just doesn't feel comfortable. She doesn't like playing out of tune. Okay. So, yeah, she just won't. (laughs) So it's like, okay, like, if there's ever a song where I'm playing flute, I I have to make sure and say that it wasn't her. That yeah uh, yeah. Don't worry, that's me. It's all good. Like that's amazing. Uh, and she makes fun of me all the time. But I I love playing clarinet. I wouldn't say I'm an amazing by any stretch of the imagination clarinet player, yeah. but I love it, yeah. and I try. And uh, yeah. I just think that the natural timbre of the clarinet in and of itself has so much character oh. that. I, like it's still, I think, like a secret weapon instrument that people don't really know about. I think so too. I think Mozart was onto something there, and <laughs> and really because there's just something special about it. it's such mm-hmm. a warm sound. I mean, for for all the beauty and and perfection that is the cello, it's mm. still it doesn't have the it doesn't have the breath that the yeah. clarinet does, and I think that's the big difference for me. I always say if I were to go back, I'd play clarinet, but I probably actually would choose bassoon just for scholarships. But yeah, that's what my son <laughs> wants to play. My son bassoon is or eight. clarinet. He wants to. Uh, he's learning clarinet now because he can't have a bassoon because okay. he's eight. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah, wow. but he like he loves like the Sorcerer's Apprentice and the Rite of Spring, and Hilarious. he like he's you know he's been watching Fantasia, right? So he's yeah. like, "What instrument is that?" And I'm like, "That's a bassoon." He's like, "I'm gonna <laughs> play the bassoon." All right. That's uh, good. Okay. Yeah, but no, it's it's an amazing instrument. Another yeah. like, you know, uh backseat or whatever you call it, like a uh, um underdog instrument. Yeah. You know, that yeah. deserves more credit. Very much. It's awesome. Totally. I love it. Oh my god, that's so amazing. <laughs> I loved Anka. That's how it said Anka, track three. I, I believe so. Yeah. yeah, loved that cut so much because of the cool. mixed meter, and um, and I loved that I was pretty sure that was you playing trumpet. I thought that was really sweet. But uh, <laughs> sweet. but that was one of my favorite ones, and that's the one that gets stuck in my head like that. It's in my mm. head right now. So I'd I'd just kind of love to hear about some of your favorites, and and uh, if if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Um, Anka is is up there for I, that was actually when we. When I wrote that one, that was the song that made me want to start a band and play this music live. Nice. Um, yeah. So I was like, oh, this song is so fun. It's got a bass line. Like the bass line of that one is um, kind of catchy in and of itself. Yes. Um, but it's a relatively simple melody and chord progression. It doesn't even like have a chord progression. It's just a vamp. Yeah. Um, and I'm like a harmony nut. Hmm. Uh, so, so like at least jazz harmony. And yeah. I, um, so I thought I was like, huh, what? Why am I settling for this one? Um, and I, I just think it's like it was complete. Like it just had a melody and that's all it needed. It was, it's a vamp and like, that's great.
the city in and of itself kind of lends itself to that like industrial it's kind of a big city i i think of it like chicago um, okay. and, the, and the history of chicago where it's just like it's a functional big city with a lot going on and you don't know about none of it it's just it's all happening in the background and you know yeah. we, you can go to water tower place but like what's happening in that building who knows yeah <laughs> um sorry i grew up there and that's that was my that was how i felt about it but um nice. so yeah it features that contemporary jazz ensemble already kind of like that was how i how i arranged it um mm-hmm. so i was like all right i'm gonna get uh mike baguetta on this and he laid down that solo uh, yeah. In the middle of it, and then the the intro as well, where I layered that at the at the the front of it and added some saxophones. Um, I was like, we should play this live. We got to play this. This is going to be so fun. And so I didn't get to play. I purposefully because saxophone solos in game soundtracks are a no no in my humble opinion. Sorry, Mario <laughs> Kart. That alto <laughs> solo is ridiculous. Give me a freaking break. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, but I know better, right? Okay. So uh, there's no saxophone solo, but there is a ripping guitar solo by Mike. Uh, yeah. So as far as some of the other ones go. Uh, Clifton, I think, I think you'll appreciate this, was inspired by Bon Iver. Oh, um, neat. Okay. It's kind of got that, like, sh- I wouldn't call it a shuffle, shuffle feel. Yeah. Uh, with, like, folksy up-tempo and kind of a, a, a moving, interesting chord progression and, and, you know, a melody that's moving as well in the, in the orchestra and flutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little, it's driving, but the, the backstory of the, of the town is that, it's kind of a windy city again, Chicago, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, but very, uh, you know, kind of um, friendly and uh, a lot of life. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so I didn't want it to feel too heavy, um, but it's still filled with an orchestra. It's like one of the only only songs that has a fully treated kind of uh, string section and woodwind section, okay. like kind of playing as an ensemble. Althurst is another one that seems to get a lot of uh, just favorite, um, yeah. you know, track from a lot of people on Twitter. At least it was featured in the in the trailer, the the most recent one. Um, it's a kind of a straightforward jam, uh, but it's like a straightforward um, African influenced kind of jam. It's yeah. in four four. Sorry, it's not in eleven. I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like the 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 backstory for that town was that they have these. Um, you know, uh, kind of like it's like a party town. Like every night, there's a band playing and there's dances and there's like a festival happening nonstop. Having a you know a very straightforward 
jam band African kind of uh, influenced uh, song for Althurst made a lot of sense, except for this middle section where it's kind of a breakdown, um, which hints that Althurst has had like a troubled history, right? Sure. Uh, so like this, there's this middle section where it kind of hints at that with arpeggiated synths and it kind of gets dark. There's a electric guitar melody that's kind of somber. But then it picks it right back up into more solos. And uh, I just gave in a little bit. Like, well, this has to have, like, a jam band section. So um, nice. it features Liz Estes playing an awesome uh, violin solo. I'm trying my hardest to follow her with, a, like, a mandolin solo. And I think I'm playing some flute. But it's a fun one. Yeah. Hara is maybe one of the few that kind of go a little bit outside as far as um, where, where I'm pulling references from. Um, the the town in of itself is kind of, is super sad, like it's kind of a tragic story. Okay. So I wanted it to feel like immediately that you feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this awesome duo record uh, by two Norwegian jazz musicians. Uh, I'm going to pronounce these wrong. I'm I'm sorry. Oscar Gudjensen and Skulis Verison. Okay. I don't know if you know those guys, but mm-hmm. they're they're um, you know some of the more well known uh, jazz musicians there. But the, but the Norwegian aesthetic, um, something about the way that they interpret melodies. They have two duo albums. Um, one was like in the early 2000s and one came out like, I want to say, you know, seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, and they're both equally gorgeous and they're melodic mm-hmm. and they're warm and they're quiet um, and they stay there. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's this, this, these folk albums from two incredible jazz musicians where they don't go above mezzo piano. Wow. And yeah, it's just it's filled with reverb. It's like <laughs> for anyone that's like a production nut, it's it's a uh, you know it's like a uh, it's a breath of fresh air. Cool. Um, so that was definitely the influence here, where the melody is super simple. Um, there's it's just like bass and guitar for the first half of it, um, and very you know kind of like an an obviously sad reflective melody. one more that probably is my favorite song so I'd, I'd be remiss to talk about it which is Tosende Canals um, the last song on the soundtrack um, 
Uh, when I when I read the story brief on that location, it just seemed to be like super interesting. Like it's a deserted farmland that lives outside of the city where they um, rely on broken technology uh, to run their farms. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> so you you know, some people don't even ever don't even get there to this location because it's kind of far out. Yeah. But it's it's filled. I, I think I put more effort into this the production of this song than any of the others because I just oh, wow. I I've loved the the brief of the location. So there's a lot of found like a, there's a percussion kit that I built from uh, you know sounds around my house. Um, it's it's got more synthesizers uh, than some of the other tracks, uh, which hint at the technology involved. Uh, it's got Mike playing these incredible effects throughout the entire thing i think i just like left it on so it just it's it's on for the whole song uh strings clarinet melodies there is some indie fender guitar arpeggios which is clear a very clear beach house knockoff sorry guys uh you know blatantly but um but yeah then it like that kind of ends the soundtrack i felt like that wasn't that was kind of appropriate like something where you know, the last track of the soundtrack is this location where you'll probably, you'll probably never go to it. Um, But it's got Hmm. a lot of color and character. So if you happen to like make it there, you're in for a treat in the game. And if you happen (laughs) to listen through all of the soundtrack and get there, you're, it's like another, you know, it's a treat. So either way. appreciative of any developer that comes to me with um you know asking for music uh so i don't want to i definitely don't mean to to you know make to to lessen those experiences but yeah um working with these guys and with you know it honestly felt like i was they let me make a record that i wanted to make anyway Mm. um like if i didn't have a um a title or or a um if, they, if there was no game that this music needed to be paired to, this is music that I've kind of been hoping to make for a long time. So to get to make that and get paid for it yeah. and, and and for it to be released alongside, you know, people that believe in it, um, I'm, I'm just so thrilled that they asked me and that they let it happen the way it happened. I don't, and also, you know, their input on the music, which ran throughout the whole thing, they were always, it was a collaboration in that way by, by all, by all accounts. Um, is was was helpful like super helpful and inspiring me to do you know kind of reach outside my comfort zone instrumentationally and from a songwriting perspective you know and not to mention they're just diala and zach and holly the the three primary echo dog um developers are just the nicest most wonderful people (laughs) you'll ever meet um and inspired to make really cool stuff which is um you know this is their first this is their debut game Oh, cool. Uh, so I hope they get to make a bunch more. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that this game does well enough to support them.
Well, Steve, like I said, I really, really uh, just loved listening to it. And I'm so glad that we got a chance to talk, uh, talk about it. I've been looking forward to it. Thanks so well, much. Well, it means so much that you take the time, Emily. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to episode 142 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Steve Pardo at patreon.com slash level. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle.